Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Auburn fall camp is in full swing. We've finally got enough information after a few days to kind of put together a bit of a recap. So we wanted to get the whole crew together. All of our football reporters are here for the roundtable discussion, bringing that back here on the podcast. We've got Mark Murphy, Philip Marshall, and Jason Caldwell here to talk about the Tigers after, I believe, four days of preseason practice are now in the book. So. The biggest news throughout the first few days was something we caught wind of a few days ago. Philip had reported it um, a couple days ago and said that things weren't looking too good. Um, and then we got confirmation from Brian Harson today that Tyrone Truesdell, no longer part of the team, starting defensive tackle, starting nose tackle for the last couple years, um, was expected to be a starter again for the third straight season this year in Derek Mason's defense. He will not be returning. Um, Philip, you were the one who kind of you know, we're, we're hinting at this a little bit earlier in the week, but now Auburn not only has to replace Daquan Newkirk, who went to Florida, but also now Truesdale, um, kind of their main defensive tackles from last season. Um, just kind of the impact of, of, of losing Truesdale and, and now the fact that the, the staff has to focus on that in camp. I think it's mixed in a way. Uh, Truesdale is, is a, obviously a returning starter. So to say that's not a significant loss would, wouldn't be very smart. At the same time, he's not a 50 or 60 snap a guy, game guy, and uh, uh, he, he's a good player. He's not a great player. Uh, I, I think that that it's not a crippling blow necessarily. I mean, obviously, somebody's got to step in there and do something. We keep hearing a whole lot about fair, uh, and uh, we'll see about that. But his teammates certainly seem to be impressed with him. But he's not a 50 or 60 snap a game guy either, I don't think. So, you know, they're going to probably have to be creative. they got a whole bunch of, of, of outside guys, and uh, most of the inside guys are going to be young. So, and, and that's not a place where you want to be young uh, on the defensive front and the interior especially. So, uh, you know, it, it happened early enough for them to be, have plenty of time to figure out how to, what, what they want to do. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, I don't know uh, you, Kirk. That's not something that's going to be, you know, these coaches never knew you, Kirk. So uh, it hasn't been in their thought process ever. But, uh, uh, but Cruzdale, not only was, is he a really good player or a good player, he's also a really good, really good guy whose story is pretty amazing, really. And, and it's, uh, it's just really unfortunate, whatever it was that happened. Yeah, and I guess Auburn sort of prepared for this unknowingly. I mean, they know I know they needed some some defensive tackle depth, but um, like you said, Tony Fair has been a guy that's impressed a little bit here at the start of camp. He's a name that I know everybody's a preseason All-American in camp. That's just kind of how it works, but he's a name that we've heard a lot. Uh, Jason, a guy that you wrote about a couple times, I remember in spring ball, is Lee Hunter. He was the highest rated recruit in this class before they added Dylan Brooks, so he's certainly not a small addition. Um, looks like they might need need to be leaning on him a little bit, might need to rush his development um, if he's going to be a guy that's going to help him out there on the interior. Yeah, uh, you look at it and, you know, that, you know, obviously for them, uh, you're right, unknowingly, unknowingly the, the addition of Tony Fair was a really big one for this team now that you look back on it. Um, you know, and Phillip's right. You know, he's not a guy that's going to play 45, 50 snaps 
probably going to be mostly first down, um, short yardage, some of those things. And it may depend on the team you're playing too. Um, you know, whether it's a team that wants to line up, run it, some of those things. But you look and, and it's more about controlling gaps and, and can he do that? Lee Hunter's a guy that I think probably could be more of a help in there on second, third downs a little bit, a guy that can rush the passer and give him a little size to do that. You know, so there's some options. Um, you know, not a, not a ton of experience, but, you know, there are a couple of guys that, you know, that some experienced guys and, um, you know, guys that are in the middle. And, you know, one of them is a guy that, that stepped up some. And I know Mark, uh, you know, probably talk a little bit more about Marquise Burke because that's a guy that, that jumped out a little bit in the spring. And he could be the maybe the biggest benefactor of this whole thing, uh, giving him more of an opportunity to play in the middle. Yeah, you never – those Juco guys, a lot of times they're a lot better the second year than they are than they are the first year. And uh, we don't know that, obviously. And uh, it's uh, – but modern defenses, people talk about 3-4 four and 4-3. Four modern defenses, is just about all of them are multiple. And, uh, and people play – they play smaller now more often than they once did. Uh, but, again, depending on who you're playing and what they're doing. So uh, – they're just going to have to figure it out. You know, they got some talented guys. I'd hate to depend on a true freshman play in the middle, but uh, uh, sometimes they're ready for it. We'll see. And Auburn's got kind of going through it today. Auburn's got those kind of guys that are they, – they can play their, their ends, but they can play inside technique. I right. mean, Colby Wooden is that guy. Colby Wooden is the best example, yeah. Right. Zakivas Walker, I think, kind of the, kind of the right. same mold. He's probably a little bit more of a, of a tackle, but he can obviously play end as well. Um, a guy that you wrote about earlier this week, Mark, um, again, talking about accelerated for these guys now with, with Truesdale possibly, J.J. Pegues might fit a little bit more of that true inside mold because, I mean, he's he's still like, what, 6'2", 300 pounds. He's, he's not a guy that has all the tools right now, but he's got a lot of strength and, and they're excited about what he possibly could be this season. You know, when they made the move in spring training, uh, it made sense, particularly because Jeremiah Wright, who was in there, playing the same position inside, got hurt with a knee injury and had surgery. And he does not look like he's going to be back to play this year. If he does, it's going to be late in the season. And you have to doubt he'll be very ready to contribute a lot. So J.J. Pegues could be one of the, the real key moves of, of the whole season if he can come in and play right away. The players seem to think he's good enough athletically to make a difference. But, you know, going back to his high school days, he played a little bit on defense, but not much and mostly uh, at defensive end outside. So it's a whole nother world inside in the SEC with all those big guys coming at you from both directions. But uh, we, there's no doubt in my mind, Nathan, he's got the talent to help him. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason Nick Eason asked him to, asked him to move to, over from tight end is that he saw the potential there and saw – what kind of athlete he can be. I was about to, I was about to say something about a certain player, but I, I guess I'll just say it now at the beginning of the podcast is that like, it's, it's going to be a little difficult to tiptoe around certain things just because if anyone hasn't read like the practice notes, can't report on players who aren't there and who are injured and stuff like that, guys who are in non-contact jerseys. So skirting around that is going to be a little difficult. Um, I'm sure one of us will slip up and we'll get a slap on the wrist or whatever. Um, but Moving on from the from the Truesdale topic, um, another new guy talking about the, all the new guys all across the board at the defensive line. Um, a big addition for them was Demetrius Robertson from Georgia, and he got to practice for the first time today. Mark, I know you were 
playing paying close attention to the wide receivers. I know he, you know, he's played in the SEC now for three years in a row, but I mean, um, in terms of, of a guy in his athleticism looked really quick and looks like he might be a guy um, that they might be looking to fast track his relationship with the quarterbacks and in the passing game. Cause he looked pretty smooth today. Yeah. I could tell he was really trying to hustle and impress his new teammates and uh, boy, he's got a great opportunity. He's been in college for a long time. You know, it's, He's basically been around for about six six seasons since he was coming out of Savannah as 24-7's number one ranked wide receiver. And uh, <clears throat> just look at the whole wide receiver core as a group. They don't have a lot of experience other than Shedrick Jackson as a senior. And Shedrick hasn't had many balls thrown his way. So, I mean, he couldn't come into a better situation for an opportunity to play as a newcomer. But it is a problem, I think, that he wasn't able to get in sooner and develop some chemistry with the wide receivers because they've been throwing together all summer. But, you know, the next couple of weeks, it's really important for him to learn the offense. And like Jason wrote today in his article about the wide receivers, there's a lot more to this offense for the wide receivers to learn than there was in the previous offense. And, you know, something we learned in the spring is they want all the wide receivers to know the assignments at every spot. So, uh, you know, he's going to have a, a lot on his plate the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, since they don't have a real serious game until week three, that ought to help him get ready. Yeah, receivers are going to be – I mean, it's talked about a lot in Malzahn's offense. Route trees were brought up often, what the wide receivers did and didn't do. Seems like they're going to, like you said, all need to be on the same page in the pro style system. We keep word where we are at practice, Jason. We're right in front of the receivers, right in front of the quarterbacks and running backs. So you and you and I have been and Mark have been sitting there and having pretty good views of what the receivers have been doing. Um, all really impressive athletically. I, I, I really just don't think that's a question. We know that these guys are talented, bunch of four star prospects, um, but it's just going to come down to who steps up. How much of an impact do you think Robertson can have in that immediate lineup? Do you think he can be a guy that can be the go-to receiver? Because right now I might lean a little bit more and say a guy like Canyon is going to be the guy that, you know, Bo is going to have a better connection with at the start of the year. Yeah, I think, you know, before it's over with, they need Demetrius Robertson to, to play a key role for this team um, because of that experience, because he's been there, done that before. Um, you're right. I don't think there's any question about the talent level of this wide receiver group how quickly they can figure out um, how to play in this offense, how to read defenses, how to, how to figure out coverages and, and maybe what the answers are. You know, you hear it all the time and, and it's mostly done with, with coordinators where you hear about, you know, what's your answer when, when, when they give you this, what do you answer? What do you call? Well, when you look at, at the way these offenses are run now, you watch Alabama and you watch LSU and you watch these teams, <clears throat> a lot of what's done is done when they get to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the wide receiver and quarterback are going, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of that talking without talking. They see the same thing. How many times we see in the last few years where Alabama, you know, they saw the matchup and you go like, well, maybe we had this call, but now you got that guy on you. We know where we're going. And so – I think that's part of it. It's part of the learning process. How quickly can those young guys do it? Because Elijah Canyon, Xavier Capers, Kobe Hudson, Javarius Johnson, Malcolm Johnson, and they got a lot of really talented young wide receivers to go along with a Shedrick Jackson and now Demetrius Roberts. I mean, they got those. And then you look at Tavares Dawson, that guy, he looks like he has everything you want in terms of the wiggle and the speed to play in there as well. But now 
who can be that guy. And you're right. I, I, I like Elijah Canyon. I thought the bowl game was kind of that breakout opportunity for him. But who knows now? Uh, who does it when all of a sudden you go from being the third option to now being the first option? That's a big deal. Yeah, glad you brought up Dawson too because he's he's been a guy that's like fair has popped in the first few days of camp. Speaking of coordinators and, and the offense, we got a chance to talk with Derek Mason and Mike Bobo. I enjoy the heck out of talking to Mike Bobo. I think he does a really good job um, of explaining this offense. Um, Philip Auburn's got another new offensive coordinator for the first time in three years. You wrote about him and Mason and, and talked to them a little bit the other day about what it's going to take for them to find success in their systems over the course of the season. How long do you think it'll take for them to get their systems really implemented? Do you think fall camp, I mean, it's a little bit shorter than it normally is. Um, how, how long do you think it'll take before their guys are truly a hundred percent, you know, implemented and, and have everything down in their system? Oh, I think it's going to take into the season. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. I think it's almost as always that way. And there's a change, a change like this. And, you know, a guy like Demetrius Robinson, Robertson, who y'all mentioned, that's got that kind of talent. You never know when the light might come on and he might be a great, might, might have a great year. It's a different situation. He might be more comfortable. I mean, Darvin Adams had done nothing at Auburn before 2010. And then he became the go-to guy that had a lot to do with winning the national championship. So, uh, you know, you're always limited and you're more limited now than you've ever been because of the, uh, the, the rules that, that limit what you can do during, during preseason camp. But, yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to take into the season, and uh, what you hope for if you're them is that you get you get a little bit better every week and get a little more comfortable every week. Because no matter what you do, no matter how how much you scrimmage or how many drills you do or whatever, uh, there's not really much way to to uh, imitate what's what it's going to be like in State College, Pennsylvania, or in in uh, eight SEC games in practice. It's just not the same thing, and. Uh, but, you know, the 2002 Auburn team, Devin Arama Shadu and uh, Ben Obamanu and Anthony Mix were all freshmen, and they all started in the Los Angeles Coliseum. And, actually, uh, I, th- I think uh, I think Monte Pitts did, too, before he moved to defense. I think he actually started wide receiver that day, too. So you never know. You never know when you got talented guys, and I think they do have talented guys. And some of those guys, even though they didn't play a lot, they have played some. Uh and uh, uh, Canyon being one of those guys. So, uh, but I think it'll be, I think, like I said, you hope to get better every week. They shouldn't be, you want to be as good as you can for the first game, obviously, but you would really hope that you're a lot better for the last game than you were for the first game. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. 
Exclusions apply. Yeah, and we keep, I mean, I, I skipped over him and I have kind of throughout camp is, is Xavier Capers being healthy again. I think just him being yeah, injured. I think that's the thing too, yeah. Yeah, I think we had, he might have been, I mean, Canyon looked really good in the bowl game and that, and that was great and all, but that was just a one game. I think consistent consistency-wise, route running. Um, I remember Malzahn talking about his blocking last year. He might have been the best of this group in terms of what they showed um, as true freshmen. Philip, I'll stick with you because when we were watching practice the other day, you came up behind me and and we're talking about Finley and how he's just, I mean, he just dwarfs everybody else on the field who's not yeah. an offensive or defensive lineman. Um, he was zipping it out there today and and I could just, you could just kind of tell that Bo and him are playing off each other. And I can kind of see that happening where, you know, they don't want to be the one who makes a bad throw right after the other one. It seems like he might be it in terms of that guy who is there who is going to provide some good pressure, nip at Bo's heels just a little bit um, and maybe force him to step his game up um, just a little bit. I'm not necessarily expecting him to start. You know, I think Bo's kind of got that, that he should, he should receive the benefit of the doubt. Um, but he looks like he's got a lot of physical tools and he, and he looks like a guy who might succeed in this pro style offense. What did you see out of Finley the other day, Philip? Well, you know, I, I, I can't tell a lot in practice. He certainly is. He certainly is impressive. Uh, physically, uh, for sure, and uh, and he has a strong arm. Uh, guys from Cover LSU tell me they thought that he, the guys that were there, uh, that he might have been maybe a little bit more raw than some of them, but that he had the highest upside of any of them. So, uh, and the good thing for him is he's got four years still to play if he wants if he wants four years. So, uh, uh, I don't know what. Nobody's asked him. I, I don't know what if Brian Harson ever has played two quarterbacks. If you might consider giving him a series here and a series there, uh, if it's close enough, I, I, I suspect he might. But I'd be very surprised if uh, if both not, not the starting quarterback against Akron. And then after that, you know, everything is uh, depends on what happens. Yeah, Harson's past is not playing two quarterbacks. Philip, he likes to pick his guy and go with him. That's the way he's done it. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, Finley did not look good at Jordan-Hare Stadium last year. Oh. Lights and pressure with the defense messing with him a bit. But he was a true freshman. And, uh, you know, he can certainly grow. But uh, I, I agree with Nathan that, uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Bo Nix isn't the starter this year. But – you know, it's a good thing to have a second quarterback on the roster who's actually played in an SEC game yeah. uh, that meant something. And now they've got two of them. You know, LSU brought two freshman quarterbacks into Jordan Hare Stadium in 2014 the last season, and they got outscored, let's see, uh, 40, 41 to 7 and, and, uh, and, 48 to 11, so what's that, 89 to 18? It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because when Finley, which that's that's something that people talked about with him when he got on campus too, was that he's kind of a like, he's a good character, likable guy that the team, his teammates already started um, developing that bond. But on social media, you'd see like Derek Hall post pictures of him sacking him or Nehemiah, Pritch <laughs> Nehemiah Pritchett post pictures of an interception and they'd like tag him in it because now they've got that relation. So that was that was kind of funny to see um, over the course of the summer. But we'll move over to defense now than, than chatting about offense um, a good bit. Jason, 
the newcomers, you talked about it, you know, there's, there's a lot of new guys along the defensive line that aren't at tackle. Um, Marcus Harris might be doing as good a work as anybody along the defensive line right now. And obviously Ikuliota, somebody they think, you know, he's got a lot of experience, got an all big 10 guy um, at Northwestern, but what have you seen out of Harris in practice? And, and from what you've talked about with the players so far, he's I mean, the Kansas transfer. I think he kind of fell under the radar just because of where he was from. Yeah. And, you know, he's a guy that I saw play in high school. Uh, and so that kind of gives me a little bit of a leg up in, in watching him play. And, you know, one of those guys that, you know, you, you look at him now and you go, it's not the same guy that I saw uh, back then. And so, um, you know, he's, he is a guy that when you start talking about what you need on defense, um, you start talking about guys that are 280 pounds, that can play tackle, that can play end, that can do different things. And, you know, he's a guy that can do that. He can slide inside. I won't be shocked at all if we look up this year and, you know, Auburn's lined up and, and they've got, you know, Marcus Harris, Xavier Capers, and, you know, Kobe Wooden all on the field, and that's your three defensive line. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. I think he's, they give you versatility. Guys can do some different things. And so I think when you look at him, uh, you know, he's a guy that's physical. He's powerful. And I thought to uh, – you know, one of our one of our guys on two four seven that um, that that watch Kansas, they cover Kansas and saw them play a lot last year. And they go, but that guy to have seven and a half tackles for a loss last year in eight games for that defensive line was a minor miracle because they didn't have anybody else. And so, you think about now joining a defense where you have got more talented guys around you, you're not going to be double teamed. Um, you're bigger and stronger another year. I think Marcus Harris, they got. Caleb Johnson, obviously, you know, you look at, at Colby Wooden, they've got some players that are versatile and can move around some in addition to Zykevis Walker. And, hey, Lee, knowing Lee Hunter and watching him since he was in the 10th grade, he weighs 320 pounds. But, but I'm telling you, that guy has the, the quickness off the ball to, to potentially slide outside and play in at that size. Um, he can do some different things for you in addition to sliding inside. So um, in this day and age, the more of those guys that you got that can do different things, the better off you are. Yeah. I thought that was, that was an important thing for Philip to bring up earlier. I think about this defensive line is not to get, not for, for fans, not to get pigeonholed into this guy plays this position and here's where he's going to be in the three, four, because with the exception of your just monster guys like a Tony fair or, or Jeremiah, Wright That are only going to be nose tackles. They're really going to be able to have um, some versatility still staying with that, that front seven, Mark, um, you know, th there's there's really not much you can say at this point about Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo. Everybody knows they're going to be the leaders of this defense. Everybody knows what they what they bring to the table. But despite having, I think, 113 tackles, 111 tackles, something like that last season, um, Zacoby McLean thinks he can have even more. And I didn't even think about the fact that he didn't start those first two games. So he, he's making a compelling case for himself. Um, but just how important are those linebackers going to be? Those two guys, everyone knows they can be all SEC guys. How important are they going to be for this defense this season? You know, especially if they keep just two linebackers on the field, they're going to have a lot of responsibility for getting out on the edges and making plays in space. And I don't think you could have two better guys for doing that than Owen and Sokovi. And, uh, you know, both those guys made a lot of solo tackles last year in addition to total tackles and, uh, you know, it might be a good thing if Sokovi does not have 111 tackles because that means they're getting off the field more often on third downs. There's not as many tackles to be made. So uh, another team is not getting as many plays. But, uh, you know, I, I think Sokovi could have 100 tackles again. I think 
Owen could have 100 tackles. And uh, But Chandler Wooten is probably going to be in there playing some too and get some of those tackles that uh, he didn't make last year, of course, by opting out. And I think some of the young linebackers are making some progress too. So, you know, I doubt uh, – McLean and um, Poe will be on the team in 2022. So I think it's going to be important to get some of those young linebackers on the field and get them some experience because, uh, uh, you know, they've got to get that done. I think they'll both be happy not to play, not to have as many opportunities to make tackles this yep. season because they didn't have much help last season. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, for a position, you have to run that much and, and be physical. That's tough not to have any help. But Wooten, Wooten will probably play as much as either one of them, I would guess. Uh, I don't know that, but I would guess that. And, uh, and then the young guys. So they, they should be a lot better off depth-wise there this year than they were last year. And the uh, linebackers like to talk about encouraging the defensive line to play well. That's going to oh, be yeah. a big part of, of how successful they're going to be. If the uh, they can keep the offensive line – off their linebackers and let those guys make plays, they're going to be a good defense, I believe, because I think they're going to be okay on the back line right now. I think there's going to be probably two good players at every position in the secondary. Yeah, and they were so transparent. That was the thing that was so interesting to me from last season was Kevin Steele and then the defensive coaches and and Owen and Zacoby and even KJ, and we talked to him later in the year, um, they were just like, yeah, these guys aren't ready. Like the freshmen, I mean, they're good, but they are not ready to play in the SEC right now. And just kind of being very open and honest about that. Um, seems like they take that logical, like you said, that logical step forward and have a little bit more playing time. But Chandler Wooten will offset a little bit of that. Mark, you mentioned the secondary. Um, it's just hard to talk about the linebackers in secondary too much right now because they're on the complete other side of the practice field. And it's it's, it's kind of difficult to to really tell there's not much going on period, but it's kind of difficult to, to take a good look at those guys. But there was an interesting comment, Jason, I want to get your take on this um, about that safety rotation from when we talked to Derek Mason. Um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it seems like by Darius Knighton might be the guy that they think could be at safety right now, just because he talks so much about his relationship with, with smoke. Um, but obviously at the same time, Donovan Kaufman, is going to compete there. I think Ladarius Tennyson, everybody's kind of hinted he's, he's probably going back to nickel. Um, but that safety battle is going to be going to be pretty important. And smoke Monday has also talked about how excited he is to kind of teach that guy. Um, just what are you looking for out of that battle? That's, that's one of the biggest starting position battles in preseason practice. Yeah, I, I definitely expect my Darius Knight to be, <clears throat> to be that other starter, even though he, he's coming in with, you know, very little little time to prepare. Uh, he's he's got a ton of experience, two hundred and forty plus tackles, like eleven interceptions at CMO. And this guy's played a lot of football. And so I think right now the expectations are that he's the other guy at safety because of that experience. And um, you know, you bring him in for that very reason. You, you don't bring a guy like that in uh, unless you project him to start. Um, you know, I've yep. I projected Donovan Kaufman to to be a nickel. I, I think he's gonna be a nickel. I think he's going to play some safety. I think him and Tennyson are going to do the same things. I think you're going to see both those guys in at nickel some. They'll be probably the the other safeties involved, and it gives you a little bit of depth there. But here's the thing about this secondary. Um, you start thinking about corner, and, and Roger McCreary is going to be there. I think you can pencil him in on one of those sides. Then you start thinking about the other side and go, 
when you got Nehemiah Pritchett back, you got Jalen Simpson back, and you add your Sean Miller. Uh, you bring in Roe Torrance from junior college. You start going, okay, there's four other guys physically that 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 you probably want to try to find a way on the field. And, you know, I think trying to find your best five, um, maybe one week, it may be, you know, Donovan Kaufman and, and you know, Tennyson at nickel when you're playing a team that maybe wants to be a little bit more downhill. Maybe you're playing a team that wants to spread it out and throw it a bunch. Mississippi State, maybe then, maybe Trishon Miller is your nickel. Maybe you play more coverage. Um, they're going to have some options. There'll <laughs> be a lot, a lot of moving parts in the secondary this year, for sure, I believe. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yeah, and that was when we, I went and talked to Zach Etheridge when he was in Atlanta that day in July. Um, and he had some interesting about Tennyson. You know, obviously the safety room was so thin, but they felt like they just wanted him to get reps there. Even if they knew they were going to go after people in the transfer portal, they knew that he might not start at safety. They wanted him to get reps there because, like you said, in certain packages you can slide him back. You can slide Kaufman back um, to that safety role, put him on the roof, as Etheridge said. Um, so you wanted him to get a little bit more experience there. We skipped over it a little bit talking about the offense, but Phillip, the offensive line is, is doing their cross-training thing. Um, guys move into a lot of different positions. They're, they're not going to have the starting five ironed out for a while just because that's the nature of this group right now. But just like coordinators, they're on their third different position coach um, in as many seasons. But you've written a lot in the past about guys like Tashawn Manning, guys like Brodarius Ham, guys that have talent and they're just waiting for the right coach. Um, do you think Will Friend can be that guy that puts this offensive line in a better position because – You've said it. I've said it. Jason and Mark have said it as well. Everyone around the program, they're a little bit higher on this offensive line right now, I think, than they were a few months ago. Well, I think that the players certainly seem to think Will Friend is that. And that's really all I got to go on. But uh, he certainly has made an impression with him. But, I, you know, last season was very difficult. It was a completely very inexperienced offensive line. For the most part, guys that had not played significant snaps, probably except for, uh, for Nick Brahms. And uh, uh, and then COVID happened. They didn't have spring practice. Spring uh, preseason camp was weird, uh, and uh, it was a difficult situation. But now, where they were inexperienced, now they're experienced. And you know, I, I, every offensive line coach I've ever talked to has talked about cross training. Uh, what most of them have told me: what you're really looking for is you'd like to have you would like to have eight guys that you know you can count on. and. Uh, um, so I, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. I think that, uh, but I think they got, you know, and it's not popular to say because, uh, it's popular to, uh, to, to 
complaining about Gus's offensive line recruiting, but I think they've got I think they've got some uh, I think they got some really talented guys. They got some guys that are going to be drafted. And uh, now, left tackle is the question. If Austin Troxel can be what he was when he first came uh, physically, then that's going to be huge. Uh, he, his, if he does, that'll be a great story. God's had three, three major knee surgeries, and uh, and nobody expected him to come back after the third one. But uh, and I think you talked to talked to his dad some. I've talked to his dad some, and. Uh, uh, he was just determined, and uh, so that would be a great story. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with Alec Jackson. Uh, whether he's playing, I heard he was playing some guard. I don't know if that's true, but I heard that. I didn't hear it from a coach, so I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I heard. And uh, but now he's JB Grimes, and he was here, told me that if the line ever comes on for Alec Jackson, he, he could play in the NFL, and uh. Whether it has or hasn't or not, I don't know. But uh, I think Tashawn Manning had a he had some really good moments last year, and he he overpowered some guys last year. And uh, uh, Nick Brahms is unbelievably smart. I mean, unbelievably smart. He's got he, he's working on his MBA now. He's got two degrees already, and uh, uh, and he's a good player. So uh, and uh, and. Uh, I'm old in my mind, and my name's leaving me. The guy that got hurt last year. Council. Uh, if he's if he's healthy, uh, then he was he was certainly having an impact last season before he got hurt. So uh, I think they've got some options there, and uh, I'll be very surprised they're not a lot better than they were last year, or a lot more consistent than they were last year. You know, a guy I'm looking forward to seeing this year is Keandre Jones. Yeah, uh, he did some good things last year. And he's, yeah, he played quite well down the stretch when he got pushed in that fourth. Big old offensive guard, 6'4", 345. I wonder if that's too much weight, but uh, uh, I'm curious to see if he's going to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, I guess so much of it depends on counsel, and that's why he was kind of the key to, to this whole thing. Um, I was very skeptical about whether he was actually going to be ready. And we haven't seen the competitive portions of practice, but I mean, he's been out there every time. Um, Philip, I've seen. So Jackson was at right tackle today on the first team, some, and then he was at left tackle. I didn't see him at guard, but he probably was. Ham was at guard and tackle. Council was at guard and tackle. So you're exactly right. The cross training seems like it's actually something that's being um, implemented right now. So, you know, I think it got a lot of attention when uh, when when Harson didn't mention. Alec Jackson in his previous press conference before today when he was uh, talking about left tackle. And, you know, I think sometimes those guys, they, they start talking about a position when there's a lot of guys and they just leave somebody out. And uh, I, I, I don't know if there, that was anything to be read into that or not, but, uh, but he's a, he's a talented guy. And, uh, but again, I think if Croxler could play left tackle, and then give you some options without Jackson about where he plays, that'd be huge. I, I wonder, you know, I haven't heard any talk speak of about the backup center, who that would be, who be the, who would be the center if something happened to, to Nick Primes. Yeah, you got you got Jalil Irvin, uh, who has been there. Yeah. Brandon Council has experience there. My guess is if push came to shove, uh, it might end up being Brandon Council. Um, what you you know, you're you're right about what offensive line coaches are looking for. What they really like to have is is a sixth, seventh, and eighth guy, and guys that could play 
you know, right. fill in multiple spots. And that's the thing. Right now, you look at this line and you go, Nick Brahms could could obviously play guard. He can play center. You look at, you know, Brodarius Ham has played guard. He's playing tackle. You, you uh, Austin Troxell has played guard. Um, and Keandre Jones is a guard. Deshaun Manning's a guard. Those guys are kind of what they are. But most of those other guys can play multiple spots. So um, now it's just a matter of getting them familiar in early camp with playing other spots. And then probably sometime next week, you start to focus in and go, all right, now let's see if we can start to begin to find, find out who our top five are when we get to these scrimmage situations. Yeah, if you can uh, – uh, a guy that can play more than one position and is, is uh, smart enough to, 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 to have both of them down and, and physically talented enough to play both of them, that's an extremely valuable thing to have on anything. Yeah, you know it's you know it's definitely football season when people are reading, like you said about Alec Jackson, people are reading more into who we don't talk about and the coaches just miss omit one name rather than the people we are talking about. Oh, you didn't bring up this one player. Was he not at practice? It's like you can't name everybody on the roster, but people are just excited for, for the season to start. But um, we'll close out there. Appreciate you guys coming on. I thought that was a lot of fun. Y'all did a great job. It was a fun conversation. The only reason I went back to that, and I probably would have looked – at the roundtable stuff, I've talked to Brandon Marcello about it a little bit. I know he did that last season. Um, but one, you know, the only reason is because two different people suggested to me that we bring that back and, and kind of have more of a conversational podcast. I know we've been lacking that um, a little bit. So I really do um, appreciate and, and really do dive into y'all's feedback when y'all let me know what stuff I need to do better, because I want this to become something that becomes routine listening for everybody who follows Auburn um, and becomes a good podcast. I know that we're continuing to grow and continuing to get better. So definitely let me know what you guys thought of today's episode by Nathan King at gmail.com is where you can find me. You can DM me on Twitter. You can DM me on our message boards. Um, if you did enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star review. That really, really helps us out. It's the number one thing that helps out our traction, helps out what we look like on the front page um, of your favorite podcast site. It's, it's the number one thing. So would really appreciate that. Again, if you have a suggestion, please shoot me a direct message. Let me know what you guys think. I really do take it to heart. Um, I really want the show to be the best possible Auburn coverage for you guys. So appreciate everybody listening. To the intro and outro music today is by Beats by Mordecai, my good friend. Uh, you can find him on Apple or excuse me, on SoundCloud, Twitter and Instagram. Not quite there yet. Um, SoundCloud, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find him, Beats by Mordecai. Thanks so much to him for the intro and outro music. And we will keep on rolling in fall camp. Keep things locked at AuburnUndercover.com. We've got you covered top to bottom on preseason practices. Until the next episode, I will catch you guys later. Everybody have a great rest of the week.